Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Today, I have Sarovar Zaidi with us on Audio Gyan. She's a philosopher and a social anthropologist. Sarovar has worked extensively on religious architecture of Jews, Muslims, Christians in the port cities of Bombay and Kochi. She has previously worked in rural public health across India, has a huge body of work collecting Islamic and Hindu iconography across Southeast Asia. She currently teaches at School of Planning and Architecture Delhi and Jindal School of Art and Architecture Sonipat. And she has like a lot of documentation bits and pieces scattered across online so you can definitely google and know more about her. Uh, today we are here to explore the world of colors and what do they mean in individual contexts. So thank you, Sarovar, for giving your time, and it's a real honor to have you on audio again. Thank you for calling me. Yeah. I'm quite excited to speak about this. Uh, and yeah, I've uh, seen one of your TED talks and a uh, uh, bunch of other uh, articles online, and I've come up with like really five broad questions. I don't know. Uh, I'll just leave it to you how you want to navigate the conversation, but these are really broad in the sense because colors uh, and communities are two independent uh, things altogether. We'll see and try document some correlation between them. Uh, so the first thing which I want to ask you uh, is how do colors become part of our culture? I mean, if you can share some example, any case study uh, from your observations. So I am a social anthropologist, and my uh, I do not uh, abide to the view that color and society are separate. Okay. I think uh, this is a like we have semiotic codes, like symbols. rituals colors are also a part of our psyche and our thinking and our cultural and social spaces uh without even realizing how present they are uh i have seen through uh in different kinds of ethnographic work written by others in my own observations and when i teach all these things i actually make people think about the idea of color of course one of the largest amount of work that is done thinking about color was on the idea of racism right mm-hmm. uh and that is one angle of approaching the realm of color in the social uh i can go into more detail about uh, the whole race and the history of color and yeah, how yeah please do yeah okay so um i mean but i i want to also start with a kind of a personal uh, journey about thinking about color right um i think uh, the first time i actually thought about race and color uh, very categorically was when i read malcolm x's autobiography mm-hmm. uh, and i was about 15 16 years old and uh, i had seen movies about uh, you know racism in america etc before but this kind of the obsession with your own skin color was something that was very interestingly laid out by Malcolm X in his uh, biography he also talks about hair color and how people wanted to change straighten their hair uh change the color uh, and constantly how um uh non white people were constantly dealing with this idea of whiteness mm-hmm. the other things that really exposed me to this idea of race and color was black skin white masks which is a very famous and very cult book um about racism and color and about those who 
this it's it's at the cusp of how people who are not white deal with their non whiteness mm-hmm. and it's about how you uh how there's a complexity about the aspiration towards whiteness whether it's black populations or brown populations and how that has constantly been part on at least the last 400 years of colonial and uh, world history has been part of the conversation very strongly mm. i think uh, uh, this i've seen in one of the interviews by mohammad ali also where he says uh, uh, like all angels are white Ha yeah Jesus is white Jesus is white Jesus yeah. was actually a brown man in a sense he was jewish he had dark hair um i mean in ethiopia you do find uh, uh really beautiful statues of jesus who, which are black in color mm-hmm. so there is a whole um, kind of whiteification of aesthetics mm-hmm. right and that whiteification of aesthetics comes all the way to fair and handsome in india right correct so and we have to kind of start becoming cognizant of the histories of this mm. right it's about what is then hung up what is shown in the images in advertising white babies um, photographs you know is something that we've all seen being sold all over india south asia pakistan nepal this idea of this child who looks white and has blonde hair mm-hmm. so this i mean how is it that then the color is not part of our thinking of society it's so strongly embedded in um i also had very strange experiences uh, myself about color where i used to work in rural india and there was a lot of times uh, that i was seen as foreign because how i looked though i'm not technically i'm not white but um everybody thought that i painted my skin so people used to sometimes touch me and check if it's not been like uh, <laughs> no it was a really strange thing i'm telling you a personal thing hmm. uh, but uh, so that's when i started getting conscious about how strongly it's present in people's psyche so that's one side of things of course um culturally uh, color is i mean we know uh, why is it that there's a red sari during marriage why is red used in some ritual contexts um why in is, india in india yeah, yeah because yeah. i believe china is the opposite right red is i know green is not so good in china i believe i think the codes in china are completely mis- mixed up because of their uh, regime of uh, the cultural revolution and their communist regime Mm-hmm. So red is a very interesting color in the sense that red is one side the color of revolution it is the color of uh, marriage in india it's uh, also the color of um, something that that needs to be stopped mm-hmm. right so uh, and it's interesting how this color repeats itself in so many ways for us and everybody gets all the different codes it does mm-hmm. right it also mixes with symbols of course mm-hmm. uh, but uh, of course in in india you will have to trace a kind of a whole sacred history of colors and um i want to finish the conversation a little bit more on the idea of race and color and this is something so when i lived in europe i uh, i was uh, someone who used to not i used to usually wear black and browns and beige and if i wore a colorful uh, even a colorful stole or a colorful kurta or something and everybody would stare at me mm-hmm and what was very strange was that uh that that time i encountered a very interesting book called chromophobia mm-hmm. chromophobia means the fear of color and interestingly there is a history of uh being scared of color or colored people associated with colored clothing mm-hmm. so 
in Europe, I feel that in summers they wear color and stuff, but still the way we wear color in South Asia is not there hmm. in the West. Hmm. Uh, this whole idea of black coats and black suits and black, it's kind of like everybody's walking out of a church seminary or a funeral. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of always in this morning, I feel that's a very depressive society. <laughs> um, sorry for this generalized statement, but mm. there is a um, very serious history of the relationship of religion in uh, Europe and its relationship to color. So one of the first early debates that happened in Europe uh, in Protestantism, you know, there was this Catholicism. Catholicism, you you can recognize the Catholic Church by its ornamentalness. It's very ornamental. It's got stained glass windows. It's got a Jesus and Jesus's body and Mother Mary and Jesus is bleeding and his. You know, there's a kind of physicality to those churches. Uh, so you will find those kind of churches in Kerala most prominently, where Jesus's body is very physically present. But by the time Protestantism and Calvinism come, the church becomes a very austere space. In mm. fact, Calvinism uh, is a one more advanced stage of Protestantism where you see that they take off the Jesus image from the crosses. Mm. They don't, they, they, the cross becomes this very simple, plain kind of an object. Mm. The churches become less ornamental. And that is also part of the anxiety that you will see towards color, where Europe has gone through this very, they do not like this idea of excess and colors represent excess mm -hmm. of life, of body, of sexuality, of, you know, so it's about an ordered society is a colorless society. And I, my theory uh, is uh, also related to all the way to the Bauhaus aesthetics. You know, if you see the Bauhaus aesthetic, the Bauhaus, I mean, I find the Bauhaus school very interesting and it has many aspects to it. Like the women in Bauhaus were doing very different things than what the men in Bauhaus were doing. But there is a resonance, if one can say, of this austere aesthetic, mm. this white space, this white cube spaces, straight lines, straight lines, this complete kind of, uh, you know, you purge the space of its ornamentalness. You know, mm -hmm. ornament is crime is also something we all read. Uh, so ornament and color is crime. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you make the idea of an ordered space, an ordered city, a modernist city is one which is not, which is with color. It's in grays and blacks and shades of, you know, um, light which kind of move between the gray and the black. So uh, I think that the the way color moves within history or the history of religion and practices is very is very subtle and yet it's very obvious in our faces. We just don't want to look at it. Mm -hmm. um, so it is part of the subconscious, but you don't acknowledge it very explicitly. I think it's part of a tradition of philosophy, religion, what is enlightenment, what is modern life and all of that is joining up in how they are looking at both color in itself, whether it's color of clothes, a form of churches, uh, Jesus's body on the church, all the way to racism. Mm -hmm. So the this is a bit, well, this is my like hypothesis. Like mm -hmm. the one thing, one the first Jewish body that was seen in Europe was Jesus's body. Sorry, this is becoming about religion hmm. on the cross, hmm. right? It was, but, and then uh, Nazi Germany happened, 
right mm-hmm. so this idea of remo- that you should remove things which use which are little bit different from what you are from the kind of nordic concation race Mm-hmm. and they they hit out at refuge uh, at uh, rome at the roma who were also you know who racially looked different they hit out at the jews who racially looked different and their color of their hair was different mostly so this this is a, this is a much it's a it's a certain kind of a idea of aesthetics mm-hmm. political politics is also aesthetics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know this whole idea of gandhi being told not to be in the train not to enter certain places when he was in south africa or uh, rosa parks's whole rebe- rebellion so it's an idea that the idea of the perfect perfect order of the world means white people walking around and white, white people taking the bus and taking the train and mm-hmm. the brown and the black is not something we can accommodate mm-hmm. right so racial histories are very important when we think of color Mm-hmm. so that's one entry point when we think of culture color and society mm-hmm. um it's a it's such a quick code right <laughs> yeah and yeah coming back to so uh, if you can just illustrate any one example as to take say pick up say a green for uh, islam mm. and how did that travel across and how like how do basically communities pick carry up this yeah pick ah. up color and carry uh, pick up as I don't know. Maybe there could be more uh, uh, aspects to picking up a color, but uh, more importantly, I would like to know how do they carry it because it just it just becomes them, right? Mm. So, I think the relationship between you know the idea of a signifier signified at one level it's arbitrary. One doesn't know. Uh, really what is the origin of islam and green what is the origin of one can kind of understand the origins of uh, uh, saffron and red in hinduism uh, they have certain kinds of uh, histories like the idea of the ochre robe or the saffron robes has always been part of hindu uh, the idea of the ascetic who's you know who's walking out of the kind of social formation of uh, the society and family structures mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so there is but i i actually technically don't know what is the reason that islam's color has always been associated with green mm-hmm. because i have seen uh, and worked in the context in social spaces of islam and i've seen many colors i mean of course green today is very pervasive it's partly related to of course uh like why did pakistan choose a green colored flag mm-hmm. right did that come first or uh did the fact that we have green flags across muslim spaces in india mm-hmm. uh happen or was it already happening right this mm-hmm. one can never really fix it like you see the flag of turkey it's red mm-hmm. with the chantara as far as i know red or orange mm-hmm. right um so this is a very uh, a uh, kind of confusing location of what is the origin we can't know origins we can only see it and i'm a social anthropologist so i look at the contemporary mm-hmm. now green has become highly associated with islam mm-hmm. in the contemporary in contemporary mm-hmm. in the last 100 years at least in mm-hmm. south asia and our south asian history uh, there is of course uh, ways that this is also interrupted like i have seen um, people using flags of the chantara symbol on uh, orange and red Mm-hmm. uh i worked on a shrine that was painted completely red it was the sarmat shrine in delhi mm-hmm. um 
I think the this is this is a, again a location of political politicization of color. Mm-hmm. So the orange has become completely associated with uh, Hindutva, and green has become completely associated with Islam. Mm-hmm. But if you actually go into uh, practices, you'll see overlaps in you know, uh, like in Maharashtra, pe- women wear green sarees mm-hmm. during their marriage ceremony, mm-hmm. right? Hindu marriage ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Now, what is we can't figure that out. We can't say that oh, this is a Muslim thing, right? Suddenly, mm-hmm. but our code is completely different there. Or the fact that uh, no, but there's also a very peculiar color. Like for at least because I am a Maharashtrian, I know that the green sari is very, very bottled green. It's yeah. not like there's a like you no, can but we, Muslim women with, wear red now. Mm-hmm. There's no they've started wearing red. Mm-hmm. People wear red lehengas yeah. and red saris for mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah, yeah. There was no code given in uh, uh, that Muslim wedding has to be in red sari. Mm-hmm. But people are wearing red. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that uh, there's one, um, it's very, I can't fix it. I think there's a there's an idea of political colors and we have to accept that it's going on. But I'm saying that at the level of the social, lots lot more things happen. Mm-hmm. Right? And then then you can't say that oh, green is only Muslim. Like I, uh, you'll see a lot of shrines in uh in India and in Maharashtra, especially in Maharashtra and Bombay, where women come and put green bangles. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and these are, I don't know if the shrine is Hindu or Muslim anymore. Mm-hmm. This idea of chadawa, green bangles, the Sada Sohagins kind of thing. Uh, there's a whole kind of, kind of sect of the Sohagins. Okay, who, and uh, the green bangle is again so associative with the, Hindu, Maharashtra Hindus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're like confused. I was in the beginning confused. And I find the confusing space is very interesting. See, mm-hmm. of course, the pol- it's like political formations of the color will continue as they are. You know, saffronization of education, the way, word, the, way the word saffronization is used. Now, it has so much meaning. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's become endowed with a lot of meaning. Correct. Um and people saying, Wo bhagwa hai, nahi hai. you know, mm-hmm. there's so many things. Um, there's also a poem that I can vaguely remember uh, where this uh, man is. I can't remember, uh, remember whose poem it is. But he says that Pura Asman, uh, Mere Padosi ne bola ki Pura Asman, Jab Sham hoti hai, to Pura Asman, uh, Orange, uh, Bhagwa color ka ho jata hai. Mm-hmm. And then he, the other person replies that Jab Barish hogi, to Puri Dharti Musalman ho jayegi kya? Mm-hmm. green huh? so but the thing is these kind of poems are being written these kind of associations are being made so we can't deny them mm-hmm. uh, but we can try and see where the interruptions of color are mm-hmm. the interruption of the code mm-hmm. and I that's why I worked on a shrine which was painted completely red in Delhi mm-hmm. and I've seen, been going there for 20 years and it it looks it kind of gave me the same feeling that I got in Kamakya temple which is a Hindu temple in Assam which is very it's very heavy on the red huh? mm. because Kamakya Devi is and the Sindur and there's just a lot of red there mm-hmm. and the Sarmat shrine is a so-called Muslim shrine right in Delhi and that's red mm-hmm. so like now my code is getting interrupted mm. I think what happens is in all uh forms of like politicization there is this idea of the pure form mm. you know this pure form ki ye saffron hai ye. like in what is when life is actually lived then you see a total mix mm-hmm. 
uh and that, that is so like you know like if you see the chadars in uh, shrines you will always see very there's no code of ki sirf hare rang ki chadar dalni hai sufi shrine ke upar they usually red orange magenta they are like kind of like the uh, chadars you get for when you're getting married mm-hmm. you know the the ghungat that you get so one has to look at both is what i feel Mm-hmm. uh the consequences of uh, the political formation of uh, green is very strong though mm-hmm. you know i have worked in a very muslim dominant area in bombay and this idea of the green flag is constantly giving a lot of anxiety to people who don't actually it's venture into that area or don't know people in that area so like i used to work in uh, dongri and bhindi bazar and i used to sometimes get off at take the train and people were like what why are you going to this area you know my uh, whole uh, relation and they had said nahi nahi this is like mini pakistan wahan pe to ye hai wo hai. so they it's a, it's a series of things that goes through your head Mm-hmm. it's the green uh, chantara flags that might be up in some shrines and or during a festival it's the association of a muslim area it's the history of the riots in bombay all these things will then come together and it can kind of come together this through this one symbol mm-hmm. and one color mm-hmm. right? so but how like i was discussing because i i had scheduled an interview with you mm-hmm. uh i discussed this uh, concept with one of the friends and i don't remember but uh, he very nicely put that in my paintings uh that this particular color like say for practical purposes we can say one hex value or one rgb uh-huh. combination is being just used by some community now i can't use that because uh, my my portrayal of that painting has some connotation to it mm-hmm. right so how dangerous it is because uh, one of the friends also he tried to make a small icon mm-hmm. and that in that icon he used orange and then some bjp guy some rss guy just called him up and saying that what are you doing here like mm-hmm. why are you using this color i mean this so is appropriation of colors but yeah. then look at uh, look at amir hussain's work right he mm-hmm. was going he was doing he was doing all kinds of things with color with symbols and that's why i mean of course at the end of the day he was exactly. shunted out yeah. of the country yeah. but yeah. but i think uh, the play of color goes on both by individual choices no, so what i'm trying to ask you is how dangerous it is uh, i think it's uh, the danger is because you have been observing the social hmm. uh, uh, i think the danger is of course there i mm-hmm. mean uh, this uh, the way people perceive something so then then we have to know that color is so highly charged and highly political right mm-hmm. um that there are uh, uh, like i used to work in uh, rural jharkhand once and i suddenly saw these orange flags all across the tribal areas mm-hmm. and then i was like what is this code what is going on here and there was a huge kind of a um, campaign by the right groups to include the uh, uh the tribal populations of certain areas into the hindu fold okay mm-hmm. so it's a claim territory claiming thing it's a it's so many things right and it can be very dangerous for a lot of people so a lot of things a lot of times that people uh, what people do is they remove green mm-hmm. to protect themselves correct uh they will not put certain kinds of images or co- colors that are associated with islam mm-hmm. right Uh, there's another color that by the way which is very strongly present in islam especially in the context of bombay is black mm-hmm. during mohram mm-hmm. 
and there was a time in bombay history of mohram that mohram uh, was very controversial because very it's like a public spectacle right it's a huge uh, it's a morning ritual festival but there's flagellation and all and the majority the the, the community that used to usually participate in mohram were the shias mm-hmm. and shias at some point were persecuted in the history of islam also so um, a lot of shias in bombay and i've read these little stories of used to not uh, wear black publicly during mohram which is because it's a morning period they're supposed to wear black but they used to uh, in their houses hold these things where they would wear black mm-hmm. because if you were seen wearing black outside they were immediately pointed out as Mm-hmm. you know being shia and being participating in mohram mm-hmm. so now that you speak of bombay i have a like more like a philosophical and abstract question like uh since you have worked very closely and uh, observed bombay uh, mumbai in general so what could be possibly like mumbai's color <laughs> yeah i know it's a it's a really random question but yeah something so to ponder upon there's a famous famous book by thomas bloom hansen called the saffron wave Mm-hmm. on bombay mm-hmm. is one of the most it's a contemporary uh, history of the shiv sena and the rise of the shiv sena mm-hmm. the color of bombay is, is too complicated yeah <laughs> it's it's, uh, like, it's one of the most uh, diverse and most cosmopolitan cities i have seen correct i think the color of bombay will be a patchwork <laughs> stroll uh, because i when i worked on religious architecture in mumbai and what i found and i would not didn't work on kolaba and town and the planned places but i worked on this um, the area which is you know i found buildings which had five different styles it had the kathiawar jali it had art deco balconies it had a greek pillar it had it had so many different styles of architecture amalgamated into one mm. and that is bombay mm-hmm. you can't say that you are like there's always this like weird cross connection between different kinds of origins where you came from inside outside i mean i call this indian ocean architecture in that sense mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing with bombay mm-hmm. it cannot be fixed mm-hmm. in this pure form but then like no. if you see uh, instances of comments on social media and other platforms that people don't want now at least the new generation don't want to type cast them into a particular thing like they when they say that they're liberal or whatever pseudo liberal they really don't want to associate with a particular set of people they have their individual thoughts mm-hmm. but somehow these colors are making them type set right because they associate ha so, yeah, it, so so the symbol becomes your de- definition yeah it so, starts defining you uh, and and that's a that's a huge problem correct so have it's, you thought about this paradox like because how do you like how do you comprehend this that i belong to a particular sect like i am ambedkar but yet i belong to that deep blue color hmm. but yet i am uh, also other things yeah i can also be other things i Correct. can also Correct. i think it's not a i think uh, what is happening is this idea that we are one uh, this this form of one origin one identity is very compelling right now Mm-hmm. this is also got a history this is a history of the census in bombay if you read the census in 1901 the british had were going crazy because they could not unclassify people in bombay they first started with language now language mein you had people who are hindus muslims all kinds of people speaking the same language they were like oh, no this is not working then they tried to classify through some other entry point so the thing is this idea of one fixed identity Mm-hmm. and i know for sure fact that, that people who've grown up in bombay whose families have been in bombay for at least even one generation at least speak three languages mm-hmm. 
they speak hindi marathi gujarati some form of urdu we don't even know how much urdu we speak sometimes right hmm. uh, english uh, half the people that i used to speak to in uh, what is mohammad ali road area used to speak to me in english because all of them went to the christian schools there hmm and nobody would even imagine that oh this is a muslim area yahan pe why will anyone speak english mm-hmm. so the thing is the uh, this this if that mixing is it continuing in a language form then why are we constantly striving to fix it in one form or one color mm-hmm. and i think this is a realization that people have but they don't want to they want to be either i don't know why everybody wants to be so pure mm-hmm. is what i say you know mm-hmm. you can't be one color mm-hmm. especially not in india we're just Come too on. mixed up mm. so interesting i mean i'm just as in even i don't have uh, like a thought about it but it's interesting to ponder upon at least yeah, yeah. and what is it's so interesting uh, all the festivals in bombay are so color coded and so interesting mm. um i think uh, I mean of course there has been a politicization of color in Bombay mm-hmm. post uh, Shiv Sena and other things but um I think um, how life is eventually lived uh, can be different mm-hmm. so yeah come on uh so I would like to conclude uh, with one last question actually two questions but uh, I think um, um so sir I would like to ask you one more thing like what made you interest what made you take interest in colors where mm. where does this philosophy come from i mean you briefly touched upon uh, with malcolm x and other mm. books one side you... was the kind of the social political aspects of color mm-hmm. but i uh, first encountered thinking about color through philosophical ideas of goethe Mm-hmm. and he was kind of uh, contesting newton's theory of color mm-hmm. and he wanted to locate the conversation on color through the ex- those who experience it and not through a t- kind of a technical explanation of the prism of color mm-hmm. which is a very interesting thing how you receive color so we've gone into a very long conversation about how we receive color and mm-hmm. here we are talking about political receiving of colors right mm-hmm. uh, and how it kind of gets set in a house but his whole idea was about thinking about how we see think feel what is the sens- sensational forms the sensual forms of color that people work through mm-hmm. uh after that there is also another person whose work i got very interested in uh which is called whose name was rudolf steiner mm-hmm. rudolf steiner actually developed a school of um, i mean he used to work it was kind of like waldorf and all these things that happened experiments that happened in teaching and learning for children uh but he developed a school and a theory of colors for not just working with children and in schools um and working with it in a relationship to one's own consciousness one's own personality but he also linked it with psychoanalysis mm-hmm. and you will see in jung uh, who is a very famous psychoanalyst who used to always argue with freud's theory of um psychoanalysis jung is also someone who really uh gets interested in the ideas of color and mm-hmm. its relationship to people's mind psyches i'm not talking about political relationships just Correct, yeah. in our kind of everyday tactile forms of what we are choosing what we are wearing what you know i and after steiner and all my whole psyche of color changed mm-hmm. i was someone who in my personal uh, life used to have only blacks and blues mm-hmm. okay 
uh, I used to be someone who had uh, like you know like any teenager I had worn a lot of uh, black t-shirts heavy metal kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then I kind of moved to dark blue and some shades of blue but once I and this is for more than like 25 years of my life 27 years of my life I was doing this and then I did the Steiner art course which mm. was very very interesting because they make you work with singular colors mm-hmm. and watercolors and you suddenly build this very strange relationship you don't know when the color moves inwards into mm-hmm. you into your consciousness that is after only doing that course in my life that I first time bought a red shirt or uh, and it's it's very I can't explain it entirely but it was something to do with the fact that colors work back on you Mm-hmm. on your psyches mm-hmm. uh, it's like that's why you know there are certain meditative spaces which are white white rooms correct um you enter a a place which has got blue you will feel a certain kind of calm mm-hmm. uh green uh, as a landscaping view gives you a certain an, another feeling red is always about somewhere passion and intensity i mean that's why it gets associated somewhere with the revolution right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or kali puja you know the amount of red that is thrown around during durga puja mm-hmm. or any kali worship spaces because of certain kinds of intensities it's trying to bring it's about it's about emotion it's about mood it's about levels of consciousness all these things and there's a very very detailed uh, kind of not study writing of this in uh somewhere uh, between indian um rasa theory and in the kundalini theories that are there about you know each chakra having its own color mm. all the way to uh steiner's ideas of color is therapeutic mm mm-hmm. and he actually has this whole thing of how uh, different colors have to balance in you to make you uh more open to the world Kind in some sense yeah so in fact a- i remember one uh, incident while i was in uh, bangalore i had two friends one uh, used to wear only black beige or maybe blues again like the same pattern mm. and the kind of design he used to produce uh, for different pages and mm. like we used to work in creator at that time mm. uh, and um, uh, it was it was like you can see and you can tell that this must be designed by this person right yeah. and the other side was uh, uh, another friend of mine who used to wear like a yellow kurta hmm. or see purple shoes hmm. right like full flamboyant and the whole form of form of and yeah design. the way the bold usage of colors you could clearly hmm. look at it you can also like see through the paintings which people do right the yeah. the, the type of clothes they wear and the type of uh, it paintings it reflects your mood Mm. in a sense mm-hmm. like i now um, i mean i teach students a lot of things and i teach them about so like i taught last year a studio on materials and making and i made them do a taxonomy of colors mm-hmm. uh, which was very interesting where some of the students i said they went to old delhi i said don't go to old delhi like you know people go to old delhi to look at design and all that collect all the different forms of red in old delhi mm-hmm. now you have the slaty red of uh, red fort you have the very flashy reds that you get in the in chandni chowk in cloth and look at how the relationship between color and texture comes about right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and uh, and i also kind of made them aware of the fact that mostly in design and architecture space schools you'll see people wear black t-shirts mm. or white maximum yeah. oh, that there so i uh, in a because i'm the teacher and it they thought it's very arbitrary i said no try and wear another color and mm-hmm. see how you work mm-hmm. i mean i cannot 
have an evidence for this kind of an approach. Correct, correct. But I have, I actually feel um, that the Steiner school of psychoanalysis and thing actually works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really, I have seen it work on myself. Like I think I was somewhere a much more quiet uh, person before I went through that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was less expressive of myself. I used to be very scared of um, public speaking, etc. I mean, now look at me. <laughs> so the proof is in the pudding. You can't say that this is like some grand theory that you have to Correct. believe it. But I think all of us, all of us have a um, relationship to color in mm-hmm. our everyday life. Mm-hmm. Everybody is picking something, losing, not picking something. It's working on our moods, where we want to sit, what kind of spaces we want to inhabit. Uh, is our bed cover red or is it orange or, you know, what t-shirt we are wearing, what dupatta we are wearing. It's so, it's so it's subtle, present. Yeah. It's so present, yet we don't think so much about it. I think okay. I make, I, one of the things I try and do, uh, some of my friends call me a color militant now, mm-hmm. is to make people think about what colors they're choosing mm-hmm. and what they're wearing. Yeah, Interesting. Um, so, uh, I would like to conclude with, uh, one last question since you talk, you spoke about, uh, uh, psychology of colors, right? So now we briefly touched upon certain aspects where colors and communities are there. There are certain aspects where colors and individuals are there and what, uh, how their philosophy, uh, psychology, uh, impacts certain things they do or they don't do. Uh, so to conclude, uh, we have this. Uh, psychology of colors right which the brands typically have hmm. like uh, advertising guys have figured it all out correct now so that is we a retrofit we... or is it evolving is it through observations and then they build a theory how does that part work and see the, like, I uh, think the advertising people in India are the smartest mm-hmm. they have figured out they know sociology of India mm-hmm. the best they know semiotic theories they know color theory they know everything mm-hmm. okay and they use all of it mm-hmm. Okay. No, they, but I'm not talking I about. I think just... it's not about retrofit. It's it, they have. There is, of course, forms of knowledge that are produced around all of this. Right. Mm-hmm. Somewhere they. No, uh, sorry to huh. interrupt, but what I want to point is, say, assume um, red. If we take just one red as a color, hmm. right? So red, uh, as we all assume hmm. that there are these four connotations to it. Say, one is rebel. Hmm. One is uh, anger, hmm. right? One is one, hunger. Huh, and one is marriage. Yeah, one is marriage. So there are these different connotations, hmm. right? Now, how can you... Uh, why is, say, McDonald's red? Now, this someone someone in the brand space must have think that red is for hunger. So let's use a red color, right? So I'm saying that co- connection... I think is somewhere something like McDonald's red, uh, like, you know, how these colors seep into branding, right, mm-hmm. is what you're asking and how have they made the association? I think huh, they I'm have talking worked, about the second part. Yeah. How is this association made? I think they have, they are very close observers of society. Mm. Okay, that's what I meant, that they have studied the social very interestingly. Red is also the color of, it's like... It's somewhere danger, danger, like you know, your uh, which is related to it's it's highlighting something. Mm-hmm. It's very it's a very standout color which you cannot achieve with black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So semiot this is a semiotic code, uh, color is a semiotic code, and how it moves into branding is something that 
uh, it's also color of a lot of power mm-hmm. it emits a certain idea of power right it's also not orange or um or magenta or something they don't do they don't have the same power mm-hmm. somewhere uh, i'm not saying what my i don't know who designed the mcdonald's logo no, that's why but i think there is a way that this all this feeds somebody is reading the social very well mm-hmm. in branding in design in it's so quick and they are very quick in executing it this association no, i actually i want to contest that that's where my question is coming from hmm. now if say if you go 500 years back and just assume right mm. now that green has been like a islamic color throughout mm. right then this is where your interruption part mm. also comes mm. in that somewhere after the industrial revolution someone must have said like green is also currency mm. so you just so shove it into the mm. society so hard through marketing through branding mm. through different repetition uh, uh, repetition uh that it now starts becoming some mm. other connotation uh, so green so now has a combination a of two things mm-hmm. i think there are uh, um they are somewhere uh, i don't know if i can call it organic but there are processes that colors get set mm-hmm. um in um social spaces so that's one code going on and then there is of course the world of the media and design and the media design world creates another infra world through the repetition of certain ideas if they want to push it right mm-hmm. uh, i mean that is what andy warhol's whole idea of the you know was that this repetition of the image also sets things in our heads mm-hmm. right uh so that they are doing they creating a virtual infra world which is then repeating certain it might take from organic social codes but it may also create new ones mm-hmm. but that dialectic is on in both sides virtual mm-hmm. media and the real the symbolic imaginary real both this that is all moving together mm-hmm. we can't it's fix a, it yeah, so simply it's a continuum yeah it's not like two separate worlds right we mm-hmm. can't say that the world of the media image is totally separate why is it bollywood look at how sanjali la bansali does in with color in his movies yeah mm-hmm. he's like playing on color and how Mm-hmm. he has a whole i'm sure he has some more theory on color you can do a session with him <laughs> sure i can't answer this very clear but this this it's a dialectic i call it a dialectic i won't call it, uh, this association between what designers want to project it can't be completely arbitrary mm-hmm. yet there have been new color codes that have been introduced uh, relating to certain things mm-hmm. right cool i think uh, yeah. yeah this is a good note to end this uh, obviously uh, there's uh, more to talk about colors in general but i think it's good food for thought as to just question certain colors and question yeah. certain why things are associated with certain uh, and yeah the conversation has been <laughs> nice uh, so thank you sarovar for yeah, giving your time you. and yeah it was pleasure talking to you yes really nice thank you And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on AudioGyan.com. Till then, bye.